This week's episode brought to you by your local golf course. Time to head that way, everybody. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, Bulls Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Faust, locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for April 4th, 2016. Coming up on the show, we look up, we look down, we talk about JT Comfer, who this show said would be signed by this time next week, last week, and it hadn't happened. And uh, we play what it could have should have, but before we play the whoosh, say hello to the other disembodied voice today. It's Ryan Murphy. Hello, Ryan. Yo. Nope. How you doing, sir? Oh, too good, man. Too good. Glad to hear it. It was not a great week to be an Avalanche fan beginning on Monday, where the Avs do win 4-3 over the Nashville Predators, despite trying their best to give it away. Three goals in the first from Blake Como, Gabe Landeskog, and Jack Skilly chased Pecorine, so well done there. And uh, Sean Mathias added a fourth to put the game out of reach, but the Predators pushed hard in the third and very nearly evened things back up, as of course would have been tradition. On Tuesday, the Avs turn around and drop the second half of the back-to-back with travel to the St. Louis Blues, 3-1 in a game that wasn't that close. Uh, your only Avs goal comes from Mikhail Grigorenko, backed up by Tyson Berry's 35 or 35th assist, uh, which is a lot. That's a lot of assists. Tyson Berry is very good. Uh, Colorado managed all of 11 shots on goal total through two periods in this one, so that was a fun game. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very little. Did you enjoy it as little as I did? I, I believe we agree on that one. Uh, Abs weren't winning that game. St. Louis is primed for the playoffs. They've got goaltending through that stretch that was as good as you see all year. After a couple of days off, the uh, unstoppable force that is this year's Washington Capitals came to town and absolutely dismantled the Avalanche 4-1, to outshooting them 47-19 to in the process. Jerome McGinley scored his 20th and so did Landeskog. So, uh, I guess it was like 4-2, to wasn't it? Yep. Nice typo in my notes there. Um... Varlamov made 43 saves in this one. He was really the only reason this game wasn't more like 7 or 8 to 2. Um, I see I had two of my notes on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's that so, time of year. So that was just a, a devastating loss and just a mediocre team getting trashed up and down by a good to great one. And by the time you're listening, the Avs will have played the St. Louis Blues another time, and it's not one I personally have high hopes for. So, Ryan, it's April. It's baseball season. Not that I or many of our listeners will care about that, but it does name a new segment, which I'm calling Three Up, Three Down. And we'll start with the downside, because that will be pretty easy this week. Who are up to three Avs you've been disappointed with this week? Ooh. Can it only be three? (laughs) Well... Nick Holden has to be at the top of that list, and uh, we've seen some poor defensive games from the Avalanche, and uh, consistently you're seeing him at the bottom of shot differential. So I think you have to put him on that list. Um, You know, really, I I think you need bigger games from your best players. I mean, even though we're seeing point production from Gabe Landeskog, you know, uh, I, I think... 
it, it's fair to say that he has to be at his best this time of year and uh, he needs to make other players around him better. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't good enough to play against some very good teams and they needed it. Um, I, I'm not sure it was bad necessarily, but I am disappointed in uh, the best Avalanche players. Okay. You know, I think I leave it there. Um, leave it at two? Yeah. That gives it to me to add a third. Do it. There's just there's so many to choose from. There really are. You know, I can I can throw another one in there, and it's not an indictment on him or what I expect from him in the future, but Chris Begra had a rough week. Um, I, I think turnover specifically <laughs> led to at least two goals in my mind that were directly caused from him. And I don't think that's the type of player he is. I think he'll learn from it. And I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to do it. Um, unlike a lot of other young Avalanche defensemen this season. You know, I think that um, it's pretty easy to qualify Chris Begraw just by saying that his, some of his biggest struggles were against top-flight NHL talent. His pairing That's was up against the Kuznetsov line, um, which Kuznetsov is good. That that dude is underneath the shadow of Backstrom and Ovechkin, and you cannot sleep on, on Kuznetsov. Holy crap. We should be qualifying that he has been playing on the top pairing this week. Yes, he's been matched. He's been matched up next to Eric Johnson, right? Which is a, a big promotion for him. Yes, and the impetus for that was to put Francois Beauchemin with Nikita Zadorov, but uh, I think you know that's also telling of what Bigrod's been able to produce. Uh, I think the team likes where he's headed, and uh, I don't. I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's an indictment on his future level of play that he was poor this week. Um, I would add, and in direct in uh, indirect contradiction with what I said during the rundown, um, I, I felt like Tyson Berry was pretty much up against it this week. Um, he did have that one really sick play. Uh, yeah, on the Grigorenko goal, which was just like, good God. Um, but apart from that, I felt like he was on his heels a lot. He wasn't didn't really have any opportunities to. Uh, to do what Tyson Berry does, and but when he did, like on power plays and such, the team wasn't really able to get a whole lot accomplished. You know, one thing uh, probably worth discussing is you know when Nick Holden and Tyson Berry each have a bad game, the other one tends to as well, <laughs> and it's tough sometimes to discern who's really struggling on that line if they're dragging each other down. I mean, in order to be good, does Tyson Berry have to be good, Tyson Berry? Or in order to be good, does Nick Holden at least have to be replacement level? Holden is really playing himself into a hole this season, isn't he? <laughs> he if we had been playing this game all season long, I think he would have made at least 50% of the lists. Um, but anyway... What about on the plus side? Who have you been impressed with this week? Well, um, give me Nikita to store off as well. Um, I think as, as much as the abs have struggled, um, he's actually been on the positive side in a lot of these games and shots. And I think he's made good defensive plays. I think he's been in good position most of the time. And... Uh, you know what? I, I'm really, really looking forward to him being on the team next year. 
Um, we'll get to it later, but he won't get the opportunity to impress us anymore this season, most likely. But he's got to be at the top of my list. Uh, we'll get to it sooner than you think. Um, yeah. for, for me, I think the list starts and ends with, uh, with Simeon Varlamov. Um, I also agree he'd be among my three. Uh, I think he's given the Avalanche an opportunity to be in all of these games uh, that they haven't won. Um, I think the w- games they've lost, they could have been a lot worse. And uh, the Washington game is a prime, prime example. Uh, that team is on a mission. Uh, Patrick Wall was very complimentary of Washington after the game, comparing him to the 2001 team, mm-hmm. uh, Avalanche team. And, you know, that may be an overstatement, but uh, I think he's very impressed with what they're able to perform against the Avalanche. Uh, you know, Varlamov prevented about seven or eight breakaways that probably should have been goals in that game. Um, hats off to him. But uh, there's people out there blaming that guy uh, for not getting it done in the in the big games. And for those people, I say, shut up. Right. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> You're just wrong. I, Sorry. I think the Avs gave up about, I think, 87 shots at net in that game at even strength. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, that's a lot. I, I didn't even look at it for all. I should look at it before this podcast is over. But you just don't give up fewer than, what was it, three goals? <laughs> and uh, Empty That was the fourth one. So that's a good game by any goalie. Yeah. And uh, the St. Louis scored probably more than you would like them to on their relatively few shots on goal, but they had a lot of really quality chances in that game too. It did. Um so that gives us Zadorov asterisk. That gives us Varlamov and uh I would contradict your your Landeskog minus uh because I feel like that line is not good enough to do to play in the situation it's been placed in. And I would uh agree with that. And, uh, situationally I, I think he's been put in a place that's very difficult for him because yeah. he needs to be the two-way defensive guy on a Matt Duchesne kind of line, a Nathan McKinnon kind of line. He can't be the offensive player to carry him. I have a hard time blaming Gabe Landeskog for that, but I can credit uh, specifically Sean Mathias, who is not a top-line guy, for being reasonably serviceable in that role. Yes, also agree. Um, that's not something you want to count on long-term. Nope. Very um, low ch- chance of turning out well for you. But uh, he's been okay-ish. Um, yeah. And with this week, okay-ish is about as good as it's going to get. Right. And like Sean Mathias, not being a top six kind of guy, uh, but excels on bottom rolls. Uh, another guy we could probably mention in this stretch of games is John Mitchell. Um, and maybe that's even an understatement. Uh, we've seen time and time again this year, he's a good fourth-line center an okay third line center and has no business playing on top lines. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, uh, he's a little bit polarizing right now. Actually, there's a lot of guys who are really, really down on the last couple of weeks. John Mitchell's had. Right. And a lot of people mention the scoring. Uh, that's not as important for me. I think the fourth line has one job and that's to keep the other team off the board and get the puck on the other end of the ice in either form of a dump off or a, a puck cover by the goalie. <laughs> That's all I want by a fourth line. I thought and it was to come in about 20 minutes late and take a really stupid charging penalty. <laughs> uh, well, uh, once you develop the leadership skills necessary, 
<laughs> then you can do that. Um, so you mentioned Nikita Zadorov, and I mentioned the asterisk, which is obviously that he is out indefinitely with a concussion. I doubt we see him again before training camp. I would prefer that we don't, honestly, just get that cleared up for sure. Um, he's coming around his behind his own net. He's being defended pretty closely when uh, the infamous Tom Wilson, he skates up. He doesn't skate into him. He glides in and he turns. He's like he that could have been absolutely crushing more than it was, um, but still appears to make contact up high. Zadorov is, you know, clearly dazed on the ice. Uh, head trainer Matt Sokolowski comes out and does a little bit of work on the ice to to assess him. And they get him back into the quiet room. Um, so Zadorov is probably gone for the year. And I would even say preferably gone for the year. Don't mess with this. I agree. He's 20 years old. You need him for the next six years. You don't need him for six games or four games or whatever you have left. Wish it were six games. Hmm. So I know that you said you specifically wanted to talk about the hit. So what do you have to say about the hit? Uh, I mean, you say he may have glided into him. I say he was at least going a direction with some purpose to make that kind of hit i mean if you're going to call charging calls for guys who skate 10 15 away from the play into a player like that i think you have to call it there as well i'm confounded how a penalty was not called at very minimum i felt like he left his feet on that hit before he made contact um but it's really tough to tell from any of the angles we had really Right. Uh, I think it's very clear his elbow was extended. Yeah, there was a little chicken wing action going on there. <laughs> right. And even if the skates are more clearly above the ice after the hit, I think that's still an indication that he was aiming upward with the hit uh, towards his head region. I just think I think it's indisputable. Uh, I think it was clear to see from everybody on the ice, and I, I'm not sure why that wasn't a game misconduct. Uh, that's my feeling. I kind of blew up and lost my shit on Twitter about that hit because it was Tom Wilson. Um, with retrospect, I I don't think it was just the worst hit in the history of hits. Um, but it definitely deserves some kind of punishment. Well, it may not be the worst hit in the history of hits in context of what we've allowed previously, but if the NHL is moving in a direction to protect their players of head injuries, then... Especially with Emil Ghazi going on right now. Jesus Christ. Right. That's interesting. Actually, I haven't gone through any of those. I'm not sure I would have had the patience for it, but uh, I'd be interested to see how they'd react in front offices to that sort of hit. I tried. It was difficult. It was it was hard to actually find emails. There was a lot of like press clippings that they were emailing to each other and stuff. Yeah. Um, but mile high I, hockey articles, right? <laughs> it was like. Here's articles about every team that were written today from every outlet we can think of. Um, <laughs> but I felt like Zadorov's head was far enough out in front of his chest that to say the contact was made first with his chest is a little bit dubious, and we don't really have a clear angle showing one way or the other. It's one of those clear bias things where Avalanche fans are like, rah, rah, pitchforks, and Caps fans are like, shut up, it's hockey. So, you know. You know, uh, it, uh, I think mostly what we complain about is the inconsistency. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to suspend Tyson Berry, 
you know, for two games earlier this season, then why is this not the equivalent of that? Uh, well, who knows? They, I, know. I mean, they we'll still see. do play Anaheim again. We might see some more supplemental, supplemental discipline for a hit on Simone Dupre. We, we could. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, plus, as of this recording, you know, we're not going to have had a decision yet. Uh, you know, the Capitals don't play again until Tuesday. They're going to hand out a suspension. It's not going to be on Sunday afternoon here. So we still could see something tomorrow that makes Avs fans a little happier about the incidents or at least, uh, you know, the consequences of the incident. It feels a little bit more clear. I think they absolutely throw the book at this guy um, because he's kind of like he's kind of a marginalized player. Right. Um and as we follow the down goes Brown suspension flowchart, that's going to land in three to five games territory. And with the current climate, it could have been on the higher end of that. Uh, with it being not, there's not really a, an angle that clearly, clearly shows. Um, and with uh, with it being a game that was not followed very closely, and uh, it's kind of not a real big deal. I mean, I I'm not expecting much, honestly. Yeah, if you were to take a guess, what what's your guess? I I would be surprised if he got suspended at this point, frankly. Yeah. Which is, I I think that the NHL is doing the players a disservice by that, and because uh, too often we've considered the resulting injury in these suspensions, and right. he was knocked out on the ice. And uh, I, I think you have to consider it. Um, I, I would, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I just don't expect the result that you're looking for. Yep. If I, 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 expectations. I would be unsurprised if a fine was quietly announced on Monday and we all just kind of said, well, it's something, and moved on. Right. Uh, you know, which would be the subsequent decision that the NHL player safety group has made, uh, you know, after spending Duncan Keith for six games, which That's an is an entirely different situation. True, but it didn't lead to the same kind of injury. And if the idea is to protect players, then I'm not sure why it's too different. Well, um, we, we, there was news like back in October even that the Department of Player Safety was going to be t keeping a close eye on Tom Wilson because this is a guy who has laid just filthy hits. Right. Um, but the, the department is also keeping an eye on Duncan Keith because as the season gets on, Keith gets steadily dirtier. You think <laughs> this is not a clean player. Um, and for him to just swing a stick at a guy's head and try to make it look like he was turning over to get up while he did it, which put more force on the slash and only right. doing it with one hand. So it looks like, like this is medit This is premeditated. Absolutely. This is, yeah. I'm going to hit this dude in the face with my stick and, uh, the league may be working on getting head hits out of the game, but the league has always been, your stick is not a weapon. Right. Unless you're hitting somebody in the testicles then it's fine. Um, can we suspend for that by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Probably should. Bell ending has to stop. Um, but there's, I mean, Tom Wilson's hit was still a hockey hit, whether it was good or bad. It was a hit. It was a on a guy who was legally hittable, who had the puck, 
who probably should have had his head up, whose team, as Rycroft pointed out during the intermission, didn't appear to be giving him any warning, hey, heads up. Yep, I mean, you make a great point there. It is within the context of playing hockey, which is a difference. But, uh, you know, I still think if you're interested in cleaning up head hits in the game, then you have to remove that kind of play. You're calling it a clean hockey hit, and I just don't think it's necessary that somebody comes in from 15 feet away and lays that kind of hit on somebody. I mean, you're eventually going to have to regulate that out of the game. I, that's Tom Wilson's job, is right. to forecheck heavy. And that's what he's trying to do. Whether he mm-hmm. does that successfully or not on the play isn't, is one thing or another. Um, but that's, it's just a, I think it's just a world apart from being pissed at a dude knocked you on your back and swinging your stick at his head. Yep, you're right. I, I would never argue for six games, but I, I think, to be fair, I, I'd like to see one or two. Um, we're probably not going to get it, but <laughs> yeah, that now, is my hope. Now, if he'd cronwalled him, if he'd leaping butt-checked him in the face, then, yeah, we could yell for five or six games on it. Right. That's not what happened, though. I mean, nope. it is within the context of hockey. I mean, that team was skating hard the entire game. Oh, uh, man. That does not look like a team that had clinched the President's Cup already. No, that's what's so stunning to me about that. They, I mean, they looked like a team with a clear purpose that night. Like, right. Like, hi, we're here to win this game. I it guess doesn't really matter what you had do. Had to have it, too. Yeah. Had to. You, you can do what you want. We're just we're going to win this game. Sorry. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, good on those guys. I mean, they've had a great season already. And for the first time, you know, since I've been watching hockey, I think this Capitals team is actually ready to make a playoff run. They, yeah, they look pretty legit. I mean, I, I don't see another team in that conference that I like better than Washington. Florida's been good all year, but they're young. Uh, Tampa Bay just got some terrible news today. Yeah, yesterday actually. It came out last night. Yeah. That uh, Steven Stamkos, if you missed it, had a blood clot in his arm, and fortunately it remained in his arm, and they're going to do some vascular surgery and get rid of that, and he may be back if they stay in the playoffs for a long time. Right. So, I don't know. I don't see another team in that conference that I, I like to beat Washington right now. They made some good offseason moves and, you know, shored up some deficiencies. And I think they're as well coached as they've been in the last 10 years. I totally agree with that point. Trotz is, has worked a lot of a lot of good with them. Um, they are looking to start their playoff run against the Philadelphia Flyers, who they don't match up real well with. But um, it'll be a fun series. I would watch. I would watch seven games of that series for sure. Absolutely. Well, moving. I guess not to move on from the hit too far. Um, a lot of Avalanche fans have been very interested in <laughs> why the Avalanche didn't retaliate. And uh, my reaction to that is, I don't want the players to have to retaliate on the ice. I, I think that's the other job of, of the NHL and protecting players is to, if you want to get fighting out of the game and take out the plays that induce fighting. Part of that, I think was an accident of who was on the ice. Right. Um, because all the avalanche players on the ice were all just kind of like, Oh shit. (laughs) They were more stunned than they were. I've got to get vengeance for this one. And you saw, as soon as the fourth line was back out there, Cody McLeod skated from half a mile away to, to charge a guy. Um, like he he's out there trying to go ramp up the physicality, which I don't think you want to do against the Capitals. No, 
uh, even their Alex Ovechkins are more physical than you are. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, again, I, I don't want to see a resulting fight. I just want to see a player penalized. And, uh, you know, I think that's all I have to say about it. I think the Avalanche really could have used a power play uh-huh. after that sequence. I mean, the, the timing of the game was such they really, really could have used a five-minute major. Mm-hmm. Would have changed the course of the game. Or at least the very rarely called double minor because you hurt the guy. We call it right. automatic double minor for high sticking because we see a little bit of blood. But oh, if- the guy is passed out on the ice. He's blacked out, not moving. It generally jumps to either a, it's either a two minutes or it jumps to a major. There's not a double minor for anything other than high sticking, even though the rules clearly allow for it. Right. It just doesn't happen. Yep, I'd like to see that changed. If they're really concerned about player safety, then some of these standards need to be reevaluated. So um, Matt Duchesne also came back against the Washington Capitals. He uh, looked like a shell of himself. Right. Uh, Give him credit for trying. I mean, the, the team needs him so badly. Even just to take face-offs, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's pretty clear that he would have the same recovery trajectory from knee injury that Eric Johnson had, which is, you know, this, a couple of weeks to get back up to speed. That's Absolutely. that's knee injuries for you. Yep, uh, even just to get back to game shape. I mean, sitting out two weeks is sitting out two weeks. Yeah, that too. But I mean... Bring yourself back into the game does open yourself up to criticism when you don't perform. So, it's true. Matt, you needed to be better than that. I don't hold it against you, but some people will. I completely agree. I mean, I don't think he was completely worthless, but uh, not the Matt Duchesne before he was injured. As I hope he can reach his thirty goals because we did see Aginla hit twenty and we did see Landeskog hit twenty. So let's let's you know it's different from thirty. <laughs> it's very different. Yeah, let's see him get that milestone. I mean, that that means something. If you're a 30-goal scorer in this league, um, you're considered very differently than a mere 20-goal scorer. Uh, It matters. Well, tonight, the season could come to an end. Um, If St. Louis wins in regulation and Minnesota wins at all, the Avalanche are eliminated. They are. GG, that's it. Yep, nice try. Didn't work out for you over so next up let's play let's look back and let's play a new game that i'm calling woulda coulda shoulda last week i asked the listeners for some ideas what the team could have done differently this year um let's go through some of the responses as well as some of the most common stuff that i see on twitter and on stuff like that and we'll make a final judgment of whether these are things the team would have done but maybe there was some reason they couldn't or whether it was the thing that they could have done but maybe we think it isn't a good idea or that maybe the team doesn't think it's a good idea or that it's something they should have done, but for whatever reason, they weren't able to pull it off. Our very first suggestion comes from good old Pinchy the Lobster, who says that I wish they would have kept Zadorov in the lineup longer while the team was playing really well from mid to late January. Do you think that's something that they that was a woulda or a coulda or a shoulda? Shoulda. 100%. Uh, I think the second time he got called up... <laughs> Uh, he played three games for the team, and I think at least two of those were the best defensive games we've seen from the Avalanche all year. And all of us made note of it, and when he went back down, I, I thought that was a mistake, um, especially to play Zach Redmond and Andrew Bodnarchuk in place of him. I, 
I think he's in a position now in his development where the learning he has to do needs to be at the NHL level. And not only that, I think he's better right now. <laughs> he's an improvement over those guys by a considerable amount. I agree 100%. I think this was definitely a mistake. <clears throat> he definitely should have been with the big club this season. Um, they they talked about uh, Zadorov on the BSN Avalanche podcast this week where they, they mentioned where him spending so much time in the AHL was maybe more of a move to try to teach him humility because he maybe came over in the trade just expecting to be in the National Hockey League all season no matter what happened. Um, to maybe try to beat some of that entitlement out of him, if you will. Um, which maybe you can make an argument for that for the first demotion, but that second one was a mistake. It was undeserved. Um, he played two great games. I mean, I, I would have liked to see him on with pairing with Francois Boschman. Well, we did for a minute. And then Tom Wilson happened. <laughs> Humiliating, if not humbling. Um, Andy underscore, because there are so many Andys on Mile High Hockey, you have to even read the punctuation on their names. Uh, I wish the team would have established some sort of NHL-level defensive system in October. Uh, we got something similar from Meeks on Twitter. The, the one thing I would have never done was Farish's collapsing defense to start the year. It was bad from the start and killed number one, which I'm pretty sure was a I'm running out of characters way to say killed Varlamov. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll we'll get to the octopus in a second. It's along the same kind of lines, though. So um, uh, this one, uh, I, I'm going to go with could have um, because I agree. I, I don't like the collapsing defense. I, I think you're just opening yourself up for too many shot attempts and too many chances to score goals that you don't need to allow. Um, I'm not sure it was necessary in order for this team to succeed. I, I think there were other factors that were more important. So I def I kind of disagree with some of Meeks' premise. I don't think that the system ever went away. I think they just execute it better. Right. We still see the collapsing shot blocking every night. Um, for me, getting rid of this is a should have. This is not the way the NHL works in 2016. You don't just let the other team shoot and hope for the best. Uh, we talked about that at length last week, I, me and Cheryl did, and uh, I had a nice comment from Pinchy along the same lines. Uh, rather than pressure the puck handler, they are content to give them plenty of time to shoot or pass. Um, so, I mean, apart from the chaos, apart from the chasing aspect of it, you're just giving the team all the time in the world when you're, when you're doing this. I think they absolutely should have changed it. I'm not sure that the team looks at their roster and thinks that they could have done anything differently. Yeah. Sorry, I cut out again for a second there. But um, I agree with you. I, I don't I don't know if this team's in a position where they can make those kind of adjustments midseason very well. I don't think they ever should have gone into it to start the season. I think that's the difference. Um, I, I don't think it serves the team well to have to make wholesale changes in the middle of the year. <laughs> it's not the time for it. Well, they tried it last season when they had a when they breaked out breaked what <laughs> <laughs> when the, when they dropped their man to man idea, right? And that was tough. I mean, it ended up working out for them pretty well because they made a pretty good comeback in the second half of the year. But um, I just don't think that's a great idea for a young team, a veteran team that's done everything that 
pretty much knows every which way to play hockey, go for it. Um, but you just don't need to be doing that with especially defensemen like Tyson Berry, who are pretty one-dimensional on defense, if multi-dimensional on offense. Uh, limited ability like Nick Holden. I, those type of defensemen don't need to be switching systems. Boschman, Johnson, why not? If you had four more of those guys, you could do that sort of thing. Okay. Um, this one from Do Not Feed the Octopus is kind of along the same lines. Um, they need to learn how to break the puck out as a five-man unit rather than just throwing it around the boards like they do now. It is essential that they start doing that. They should have done that. <laughs> and if they would have done that, I think they'd be in a better place this year. They just give the puck up so often from the defensive zone where other teams do not. And uh, they skate better than just about anybody in the league as a group, <laughs> and they should utilize that in order to get out of their own zone. At the beginning of the year, I would put this in a Wooda category because they don't have those that kind of talent that you're talking about when they're still skating they get in every night, um, when, when you're just not as quick on the back end as you think you are. Mm-hmm. Um, once he caught his demotion and the back line got a little quicker, even though Francois Beauchemin is kind of winding down in a hurry as the season comes to an end. Um, I think it kind of, it, it bumps up more into a thing they should be doing. At the beginning of the year, they may do, maybe don't quite have the horses, um, but they definitely did at this point for sure. They do. Um, hopefully that's an off-season adjustment. Um, one of the more common things that you see sitting around the internet um, is trading pieces to acquire defensemen. <sighs> <laughs> that sigh come through on the recording. Hopefully. It, it totally did. And and while I talk for a second, if you could try to get your volume back up to where it was before you disconnected, that would be cool. You're kind of quiet. Um, this is a Gordorg phenomenon, I'm pretty sure. There are 29 teams in the league apart from the Avalanche, so there's 30 teams in the league who are trying to get top defensemen 365 days out of the year. 366 this year because leap year. Um Whichever player is not performing how you want them to currently is the guy you want to trade for def- for defense. The beginning of the year, that was maybe Matt Duchesne. Let's trade Duchesne and get a defender like Subban. Okay, you would if you could. Maybe. Um, and now, it's lately, it's been, okay, Landis gone. What? Okay, you would, you would go get a top defenseman if you could, but it costs too much, man. Way too much. And uh, I may have put... Landeskog in that bottom category in our earlier segment, but there isn't a chance in the world I would trade Landeskog, uh, especially for his contract and especially for what he brings to this team, which is indispensable. Um, Avalanche don't have two-way forwards like him, which I would put him among the very best in the league in that category. Okay. Um, this one comes from myself. Um, how about not overplaying Francois Beauchemin? Uh, put him in the would have category because uh, I would have played him fewer minutes had we kept Nikita Zdorov in the NHL for the second half of the season. 
And uh, if you're playing both those guys on the third pairing, I think you're playing them the correct amount of minutes. Bump up Bosham into that penalty kill pairing. Uh, but if he's playing four to five fewer minutes a game, I think he's more effective this time of year. I agree entirely with everything you said. If the roster had looked how we wanted it to look, then it's a should-have situation. But since it didn't, it's a would-have situation. You don't have the horses on the back end to uh, to really bring his numbers, his minutes down dramatically. Now, you can play your third pair a little more. You could do that. <laughs> but, but, but now you're saying, do, would I rather have 27 minutes of Francois Beauchemin or would I rather have 17 with, or would I rather have 17 minutes of Zach Redmond or Andrew Bodnarchuk? Exactly. But, and it also give you the option to ride the hot hand that night. I mean, play whichever defensive pairing is working. Mm-hmm. You know, Holden and Barry are going all Holden and Barry on everybody. By all means, give them the minutes. And when they're getting holding buried on, then maybe we see Boschman and Zadorov get more. I like how that verb works both ways. Yeah. It's like aloha. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe a last one I've got here, maybe another conversation for another time. Uh, the the Firewa Brigade is out in force. Where do you fall on that? Is that something that the team is in a position to do? Do you think that's something that they should do? I, I am not in favor of firing Patrick Waugh. I think that's the incorrect move at this juncture. However, I might believe it's closer this year than it was last year. Uh, I, I just don't think that's the right move. I think we've seen him as a motivator be effective, and I think his shortcomings as a strategist can be made up for with assistant coaches. I'm more on side of fire army or Farish than I am of Patrick Waugh. Okay. But like I was saying, that's definitely a topic for another show. Um, specifically, we'll get into it next week. I'm sure. Um, right. the season ends, but that's a hot topic right now. So I thought I would maybe fan those flames a little bit. Last week, I was talking to Cheryl about um, the Frozen Four. DU did make the Frozen Four. They should be playing next week, I believe it is, or is it this week? Um, Sunday, so it's this week. It starts on Friday. So, I don't know. Whenever they play, it's soon, and you should watch it. It's on ESPN2. Keep an eye on Avalanche prospect Will Butcher, um, and also future supervillain. I love his name. <laughs> but the University of Michigan was eliminated, which means that J.T. Comfer was in a position to go ahead and get on an ATO and join the Avalanche organization to be signed for next season, which has not happened yet. Yet. Um, Jimmy VC, Nashville Predators prospect, very publicly will not be signing with the Predators after finishing up his fourth season at Harvard. And no one could blame him for finishing his fourth season at Harvard, for sure. Um... But it looks like he's either going to stay in the area and sign with the Boston Bruins or go where his uh, dad is a scout with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I heard somebody uh, recommend this to the Avalanche, but what you should do is hire Comfort's dad to do something in the organization. <laughs> appears to be uh, the requirement for these guys. Um, so 
the fear, of course, and I don't want to get into this too much because there's... Basically, if they talk about the avalanche, this has been covered already. Uh, but just just quickly, if, uh, if Comfort isn't signed after his... Uh, fourth season in the NCAA, he'll become a UFA, an unrestricted free agent, in mid-August of that year. That's not this season, that's next season. Um, there's a whole lot of reasons why he doesn't have a real good reason to stick around in Michigan, other than to be the guy and try to carry that team back into the uh, NCAA playoffs next season. Uh, but a lot of his line mates and stuff are leaving the team. Zach Wierenski's joined the Blue Jackets. Um, really high-level defenseman prospect. Hopefully, uh, JT Confer will see fit to do the same. There's plenty of time to do that. He doesn't necessarily need a sign right now to go play with the Rampage. I'm sure they'd like him to, but you know it's been a long season. And I think the organization isn't necessarily interested in forcing him to play even more games. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons that I see the situation a little bit different <clears throat> from the VC situation. I did want to talk about those briefly. Uh, one being the teams are in very different situations. Mm -hmm. The Predators are courting Jimmy VC to come play in their top six in a playoff run. Like, that's hard to turn down. That's really hard to turn down. Now, it's hard to really know if that's true or just something that they said afterward. But I don't have to give him a good opportunity, according to speculation. I really don't think that that's hard to believe at all. Yeah. They, there's definitely room on the Predators' top six to add a Jimmy VC. Um, now, the Avalanche could maybe use <clears throat> a guy like Comfer right now, but as soon as McKinnon's healthy, where is he going to play? Um, and the Avalanche are also big proponents of this you know, pay your dues in the AHL thing, and the Rampage are not even close to the playoffs. True. Just not even close. So for one, I'm not sure he can play with the Avalanche anyway because I don't know if you can play in the NHL on an ATO because that's what it would have to be because Colorado, you know, uh, 50 contracts and stuff. Right. So... You know I just I, I see I don't I don't see him staying another year if his interest is in playing professional hockey, because I don't know uh, he might be able to go back and be the guy, but he's not playing with Kyle Connor anymore. Right. Which I believe at least had an influence on a lot of his points, and Kyle Connor will be playing for Winnipeg next year. Oof. So this could easily still happen. Uh it could, there's no hurry for me to get JT Confer signed as long as we have him signed before training camp. Absolutely. If he returns to Michigan for another season, then we start to panic a little bit. You do. And even then, you don't have to panic that much because these guys, what these guys are looking for are quick playing opportunities, easy playing opportunities. And a player like JT Confer could be a fourth line center for the avalanche next year if he wanted uh you know depending on what they do with their bottom six uh, i mean he's a type of player they probably could plug in there yep and you start as elc as soon as next year especially if we keep seeing one of duchene and mckinnon played away from center um Absolutely. they keep trying to put miko ranton in at center but 
maybe they'll finally smarten up, thumbs up, and stick him on the right wing where he belongs. And, right. And you hear rumblings that the team's getting ready to move away from John Mitchell. So there's room for Comfer next year. There is. There's... I mean, there's always value in joining even a bad AHL team and starting to get to know the pro life and start to adjust that way. But I, if they wait to sign him to the summer, I don't see it as a very big deal. I don't either. I mean, the deadline wasn't last week. It's going to be September Yeah. for me before you start to kind of turn your head a little bit and worry. And you should because I think we're, what we're seeing is a trend that's emerging. A lot of these NCAA players are discovering the kind of power that they have by staying in school for four years. And uh, what's helping them, too, is the NCAA has become a good development league. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm interested in seeing how this affects the next collective bargaining agreement because I, I'm not sure you're going to see NHL teams put up with it anymore. I agree with that. Um, I don't know how much pushback they would get from the PA on that sort of issue because... It is kind of a player freedom issue. It is. But, but it affects also, so few guys. It does. And I also think that the veterans probably wouldn't support this as well. I mean, the, the guys on the Players Committee and Players Association are tend to support your guys that have been in the league a little longer. I mean, they want guys to pay their dues a little bit just like they did. At least that's kind of how I tend to read them. But I just think that you're going to have something set up in the next collective bargaining agreement where you can't become a free agent so easily if you don't leave school early. Yeah, I think this gets patched as well. Um, I, I think it is kind of a bug in the league right now, and I think it gets patched out. Yeah. I mean, the first wave of it have been players whose fathers have been owners of teams and scouts and organizations. And so maybe it's just a a decision that's rooted in privilege. And it's also like a lot of guys who aren't necessarily making a huge impact at the NHL level. It's your Justin Schultz's and stuff. It is. But, uh, you know, you might see different kinds of players start making this decision just because they've seen other teams do it. Uh, they might have an agent in their ear that tells them they could go make more money. They so, definitely do. Yeah. 100% they do. Yep. Um, but it's it's been hilarious to watch the Predators play this big blue-blue, poor-me, dramatic front in the media since they found out that VC wasn't going to sign with them. And to see, to see the VC camp, like, no, 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 not so fast. We told you not to put him into your plans. We told you to make plans with and without Jimmy Vesey. So. Yeah, you know, at the same time, I do feel for the Nashville Predators and their fans. I mean, if you're going to invest that kind of draft pick and that kind of player, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect him to eventually join the team. That's the way the system works now. Yep. Now, maybe if your team abolished the draft, which I personally am not, then you see this as, you know, the future and you you want more guys to use their the power that they currently have um but for the the way the system works now it's it's not how it's supposed to work 
it's not. And I think you're going to see teams start to favor OHL players or CHL players in the first round because of it. I mean, players aren't going to want to take that kind of risk. Yeah, and well, I mean, if you if you have a first round pick who you're not ever able to sign to an ELC, you do get a compensatory pick, but that still turns a three year development process into a six year. Absolutely, I mean, and that time means something. So, hey, you know, good luck with your next pick, Nashville. <laughs> I'm willing <laughs> to bet it's not going to be an NCAA player. Yeah, I'll put some money on that. I, I I think they would go to Russia before they'd go to the NCAA. Absolutely. Um, last thing before we start to sum things up, did you hear the rumor that Pavel Datsuk might be headed to the KHL next year? Oh, I did, and I heard it from my Red Wings friend, and that conversation was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big Pavel Datsuk fan. I would love him to leave that team. Right. Completely Please agree. go do magical things where I cannot feel dirty for liking them. You know, that's... You know, if he wants to go play a couple years in the KHL, make buku bucks, and you know, go be a hero. Right. You know, go be a hero in Russia for your last couple years. Go get those sponsorship opportunities that are going to persist after your playing career. Go do it. I mean, this isn't a Kovalchuk situation. It's not a Radulov situation. This is very different. I mean, he's going to have money-making opportunities there that he won't have here. You say it's not a Radulov situation, uh, but the KHL team he's tied to is also the team of one Alexander Radulov, <laughs> who may you? not be able to afford both. Right. Um, if Cole ends up right about Radulov coming to Colorado, I'm going to be angry right, after all the shit I've given him about it. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I mean, um, that's an option. Uh, please, do it. Give him some money. Have him play wing. We need it. And, and also make him not be insane. Well, or insanely good at goals. I'll take that. Just got to concentrate that insanity. I am on mixed feelings on that, though. Pavel, uh, NHL without Pavel Datsuk is a poorer NHL. Right. That's tough. But, uh, you know, that's what happens when you take people from halfway across the world to make them play in your league. I mean, uh, some of them are really, really interested in becoming Americans, like our own Milan Hayduk did last week. But yeah, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you guys mentioned that. But, you know, others still have really close ties to where they came from. Mm -hmm. And more than anything, I think the sponsorship opportunities, the business opportunities that they get when they go back home are far greater than non-native English speakers have here. If he waited till the end of his contract, they would still be there. That's true, too. But and it's, there's only one year left after this season, so maybe that's what the actual plan is. Right. We're hearing a second-hand rumor omit an important detail. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's interesting and slightly funny. <laughs> so, uh, let's look at the week ahead. It is the final week of the season. Um, Colorado play three games that may not matter. They kind of need to win out, and they kind of need Minnesota to lose out for anything to make any difference here. So, at this point, it's just dropping a couple of draft pick spots, assuming you don't win a lottery. A couple of spots shouldn't make that big of a difference. Um, on Tuesday, Colorado go back to Nashville again, because for some reason the only teams they can play are Nashville and St. Louis. Uh, 6 o'clock mountain start on altitude. 
Then on Thursday, they travel to Dallas for a 6.30 start, also on altitude. And then finally, they close up the season. They close up the home season on Saturday afternoon, 3.30, against the Anaheim Ducks. Catch those early flights to Vegas, right? Early flights to Vegas. <laughs> you don't even need a flight, man. Go rent a Lamborghini, head up the highway. Yeah. But that's going to be that. that. Yeah, go get that off-season in style. Um, like you said, it's it's not looking likely. Um, I think the Avalanche can afford the Wild to win one more game in regulation. I think they can, but that I think that's all they can allow. And you have to win out if you want a chance. So. And uh, the Predators have been slumping a little bit, but Dallas has not, <laughs> and Anaheim has not. No. Again, those teams are ready for the playoffs. They look good. And St. Louis, who the Colorado take on in a couple of hours, also have not. So it's looking a little bumpy to close the year out, and I would usually ask for predictions, but I just don't think they're going to matter. Nope. <laughs> not remotely. Um, I predict they lose at least one of these games, and I predict that eliminates them from the playoffs. Um, I disagree because I predict they lose tonight and get eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> yep, fair enough. But you... you know, it's tough. It's been a fun season. It's it's probably been one of the more frustrating seasons I can recall in recent memory, just because I think expectations varied <laughs> so much from month to month, even. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it has been a roller coaster ride. I think all of us are gonna take a breath after you know next Saturday and probably have to forget hockey for a little while. <laughs> no, watch the playoffs. Yep. In, in case I don't talk to you next week, who's your playoff team? Who are you rooting for? You know, I like Florida. Give me Florida. Okay. Um, I, I think they're going to be a bit of an underdog in the East. I'm going to be cheering for an Eastern Conference team. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, there's going to be good hockey in the Western Conference, too. I mean, I I've hardly even looked at seeing how the teams match up here. But There's going to be hateful I, hockey. There's going to be some hateful hockey. I like to see Dallas do better. Uh, than a Chicago or St. Louis, um, if I were to prioritize. Yeah. And they're, they're a little trashy, but at least they're not like fake tough or just an organization that smells like garbage. There you go. I don't know. What do you think? The Red Wings make it? I don't know if the Red Wings make it or not. I think it'd be funny if they didn't. Um, that would be historic. <laughs> I, I think the uh, only team in the West that is r- remotely... Like the least hateable team in the West is how I put it when I was talking to AJ and Randy about it earlier on the, on Twitter is the San Jose Sharks. I'd I'd like to see some playoff success for Joe Thornton finally, and yeah. I would not like to see it for pretty much anyone else. Um, <laughs> from the East, I love watching Washington play. The deeper they go, the longer I'm going to keep watching the playoffs. So, um, it, I'd like to see Yager go far with Florida, like you've said. Um, but I love watching Ovechkin and Backstrom and. Kuznetsov and Holtby, just lock it down. Yep, that team has been really fun to watch. I'd like to at least see them get to the finals. It feels a little bit like rooting for the Yankees. I don't want to root for a juggernaut, but they're still they're just they're just so much fun. Yeah, and they don't have that history of winning in the playoffs, so they're not a true front runner in that way. I mean, they still have something to prove. Yeah, that's true. So. 
that should that should do that. We're a little on the shorter end today. There's a whole lot of time cut out from internet issues. Shout out to the internet. Whatever you changed did fix it, apparently. Yeah. Um, but it does kind of, the, you know, the conversations we're having about the team and the length of the show does kind of make a nice little metaphor for the season. And it's the famous one for life at large. Nasty, brutish, and short. So thanks for joining me again, Ryan. I appreciate having you on today. I know that you were kind of Russian today. Uh, well, and I was not Russian as Karlobov. I was going to say not in the Soviet way before <laughs> you could beat me to it, ass. Uh, yours would have been better. My bad. Well, thanks for having me on. Do it again. Yep. You can do it again next week where you can tune in to... I don't know if we'll even talk much about the week the, the next week. It'll be mostly be looking back at the season at large and uh, looking ahead to the summer and all those kinds of fun things as we deal with the season that appears to be totally lost. So... Keep an eye on the My High Hockey Podcast at uh, soundcloud.com slash myhighhockeypodcast and mixcloud.com slash myhighhockeypodcast or on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. Latest abs news and updates will be found on myhighhockey.com where you can see rumors and signings and trades and drafts throughout the season. Keep your head up, dirty areas, etc. Goodbye. That stupid uh, Minnesota Wild article I wrote on the first, um, that set, like, world records for SBN hockey. That's hilarious. That was a good piece. I enjoyed it. I I wasn't thinking, man. I didn't even – I just thought somebody would laugh at it and that would be it. Got, like, hundreds of thousands of views <laughs> oh, yeah, on the front page of Yahoo. Well, I think you did um, – I think you did April Fool's right. Like, not something that's trying to look serious – um, like something that's very clearly a joke. Right. You're not calling out an injury or a, a not, trade or a firing or something. Yeah, it's not, hey, we, we're definitely going to get Stamkos this summer, guys. It's it's kind of weird to see that kind of news in April, but I guess you we would be fools to not want it to happen, wink, wink. Yet, uh, you would be surprised people still believed it. <laughs> <laughs> I got hate mail in my email box, man. I saw responses to the tweet with the link in it that was just like, what do you mean, got me? Are you serious? <laughs> I just started favoriting all of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, I will hit up these people the next time I need money. Right. Did I mention I'm a Nigerian prince? Or, uh... I don't know. I got a deal That's... on oceanfront property in Nebraska. <laughs> I, just, well, I don't understand how you could, how that could possibly get you. What the hell? Uh, people just don't look at calendars very often anymore. You don't have to. <laughs> you I know, mean, even I, if you notice what time the post went live and that it says that the, that GM Fletcher had had a press conference that day, like when oh, did he yeah. have it? Five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. I mean, I just put so many ridiculous things in one article. You. you can't not put that together right i mean the the headline i mean you chose a really good team to, to do it about yeah um which helped the fan base start to share it you you did it in the right way which got it national attention well plus i'm trying to bust abs fans balls more than anybody because 
you know, the what happens as a result of this ludicrous event is the Avs are back in the playoffs. Yep. Which I'm sure that got somebody too. Not just wild fans mad about it. Oh, it's real easy to get wild fans mad online. Yeah. Especially sending them to China, the <laughs> Wuhan wild. Hey. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, it kind of gave me a really good idea for one next year if it ever gets to that point. <laughs> Can't spoil it. But I think I can roll with this. Sounds good. I mean, I've I've done it's hockey satire is harder than it seems. Yeah, I've done it before. A, it's difficult. You know, uh, because you people are very very passionate about the sport and they get a little worked up about things that should be silly. Yeah. And you know, Minnesota team has moved once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor bastards! So, oh, your team is moving. Oh, that yeah, triggered. Hello. To Dallas again? No. It's a it's, it's a China. <laughs> the Fort Worth South Stars. <laughs> uh, well, they can get an arena built. Otherwise, it's got to be the Arlington North Stars again. Taking the team name back. Yep. Uh, I am so tired, man. I apologize for this. It's been a long week. Yeah, I don't know what uh, I don't know what your exhausting thing is. My exhausting thing is moving, and it is very hot in this room. So I'm gonna open the door and leave it. So thanks for yeah, thanks for coming on, and I will talk to you later. Yep, cool. Take care. Bye.